into a bar on a cool winter's evening underneath the stars and we'll find somewhere close we don't want to walk far Welcome to the cool room. I'm Damien Gibson, and joining me as always is my co-host David Griffiths. How are you, David? I'm very well, thank you, Damien. How are you? Pleasure I'm to be here tonight. I am very good. Also, David, thank you for asking. Do we have a real life guest tonight? We have a real life guest. Joining us this evening uh, is Adam Betts from Edge Brewing. Adam, how welcome, are you? Adam. I feel good like evening, we need sir. To... How are you tonight? <laughs> All right, Adam. So this is a question that we've asked each other, and seeing you're the first guest, I suppose it's only fair that we ask you the same question. Where was your first beer? Oh, first ever beer. Um, it was in a park in Essendon, I recall. <laughs> <laughs> a, I like this answer already. Mm, mm. Yeah, lots of things happened that night that probably not suitable for this podcast. Oh, anything. We've always thought that everything was acceptable for the podcast. Maybe Adam's got you know, deeper, darker secrets than you and I do, Damon. Do you but, remember what it was? Yes, I do, actually. It was um, a Canadian beer, just a generic lager. Jeez. Moosehead. Oh, like a, oh, moosehead. Right. Yeah. Yes, Moosehead. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was this... Bought from a bottle shop, or was it just fa- was it found beer? <laughs> I can only presume someone at the party bought uh, bought it along. I was definitely underage, so I wasn't purchasing it. Right, <laughs> um, but there there was um, copious amounts of it there. So yeah, so you just got stuck in. Yeah, All right. do they still make? <laughs> Let's leave it at that. I reckon I've seen Moosehead since I drank at the Moosehead on <laughs> Swanson Street. I, yeah, I've, to be honest, I, I haven't seen it in a decade or something. Yeah. Yeah. I've only heard about it. And I remember when we were working together at your old bar that we, because Rob, one of the owners, was Canadian, we were going to have a Canada Day thing. We were trying to get our hands on some sort of Canadian beer. and just it was so hard. We couldn't get Molson. We couldn't get <laughs> any of those. Like, you'd have thought you could get your hands on something Canadian. We just couldn't. No, not at all. What did we end up doing? Um, we ended up getting the Mountie from oh, Stockade. That's, right. that's, exactly, that's exactly right. Nice. Um, all right. Well, speaking of craft beer, when was your first craft beer? Uh, yeah, this one I actually can recall as well, which is strange for someone who has a terrible <laughs> memory. Um, it was the Belgian Beer Cafe. Remember in St. Kilda Road? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge beer garden. And used to Basically, it was like sitting in a park and drinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the village now, if it still is, maybe they've changed. I haven't been there, so yeah, I just assumed it was still. Yeah, I think they there. cut off most of that big grass area now. It's just kind of more of a standard beer garden. But anyway, um, I remember being there, and up to that point, I'd really only drunk sort of lagers, mainstream lagers, as you know, sort of everyone probably starts off with. Yeah, mm. um, it was uh, Timmerman's Gers Lambic. Wow, um, go, go, go hard early. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it wasn't really a step up like, you know, pale ale or something yep. might be. Yep. Um, but I just saw it in the fridge, never heard of it, funky kind of label or whatever, and just picked it and was had no idea it was a sour until I yep. took a sip. Um, Did you like it? I ab- being, absolutely yeah. loved it, to be yep. honest. Yep. And that's kind of what got me into craft beer. And then from there, I sort of... You know, went to bottle shops, etc., and um, tried all different stuff, and a lot of it I didn't like. Um, but uh, the sours uh, from the start were, yeah, Belgian sours. And did that make you want to, like, did you want to start brewing sours from there, or you were just uh, like. It wasn't an immediate. Um, I think I was, I was managing, started 
worked in hospitality and then managing bars and yeah. um, and then a sales rep and then anyway, it was a bit more of a progression before I started you know brewing but yeah it wasn't immediately it, like the next day it wasn't no but it certainly I love was. this shit I gotta make my own <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely got me on the craft beer straight away but it was a little bit while after that before before the brewing sort of started did what you was, manage to stock sours or anything when you were managing bars or did, oh, were there many of them going around so what were you stocking yeah um, and what were you managing it was a <laughs> Yeah. And how did you manage it? And how did you manage to... No, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I shifted around a bit. Sort of I have a short attention span, so I liked opening new bars and then sort of moving on after a couple of months when they were settled. Um, <laughs> it must the, be about time for me to move on from here then. That's, that's fantastic. The, that's the yeah. worst part of opening a bar, isn't it? Opening new no, bars. I suppose you get to pick the menu and everything. Yeah, that's right. And then you just kind of, yeah. Get bored and move on. My work here is done. You clap your hands and <laughs> off you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, last place I worked hospitality-wise was uh, managing Penny Blue, which is still mm. around now, the craft beer bar on Driver Lane mm-hmm. in Melbourne CBD. Um, and before that, it was a magnitude of bars. Yeah. Right, well, we don't. I, I'm judging well, by I'm, that I'm sign. Really, we really, don't have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious yeah, to hear what, what sours did you manage to get your hands on in stock when you first started to do that? So yeah, yeah. How did right. the sour story continue? So it was probably 12 years ago when I stopped working hospitality. Um, so back then, of course, the the craft beer world in Australia was extremely different mm. um, in terms of you know what you could access. There was definitely no local breweries doing sours back then. Um, it was all. A few imports, uh, mainly just from Belgium. American yep. breweries had just started coming to our shores, um, but that was sort of more the the IPA kind of uh, beer world. Yep. Um, the Belgian wise back then there was um, Lindemans, which you know I can't stand. It's just way too sweet for me. Mm. Um, I don't think we got Cantillon or, or Three Fontenelles or anything like that quite yet. Um, but I do recall Timmermans, obviously, which mm. um, I haven't really seen seen since. No, I would agree. Um, I don't know what happened to that. They must have stopped. Whoever was bringing that in must have stopped. Um, you know, it was a, a very small amount of sour beers, and then it was really sort of the IPA phase that, that yeah. Australia was in then. So IPAs mm. were, import-wise, were becoming sort of really easy to source, but the sours were a big struggle. I think, you know, sort of, Looking at the market, it's really only been maybe the last four years that um, our market has really took to, to sours. And, that, that's and, exactly why I sort of yeah. asked the question because I don't think I'd been aware of them at all until six or seven years ago at, yeah. at all yeah. and that Australian ones weren't really coming on board. I reckon for me probably some of those Moondog ones uh, yeah. were some of the first that I had. So yeah. things like the Perverse Sexual Amalgam and the... What was the marmalade one? Um, I'm not sure. I might have missed that one. Yeah. Yeah. That, but they were in they the, were out there during some of Moondog's sort of releases per year. Yeah, exactly right. They were some of them. Mistoffelees, um, yeah. Mr. Mistoffelees. Oh yes. So, okay. Yep. 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 Were probably two of the first sours that I'd had locally. So. Yeah. Awesome. Hmm. I mean, it still seems to be like just from my very limited knowledge of trying to sell them, it seems to be something that not many people know about that much, unless they're an educated sort of drinker. And you really yeah. have to sort of force people to be like, no, it's really nice. Because I think just the yeah. word sour will turn a lot of people yeah, off I th- it. You I know. think, you know, with particularly the local market now, um, you know, what we call kettle sours or clean sours, if you like, um, 
that's really changed the sort of the demographic as well. Hmm. Um, you know, traditional sort of lambic styles are you know the barrel age for blended back from three four years. Um, they're, they're you know a very expensive kind of beer to make, um, and you know it's got a, a big sort of farmhouse funk character as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but with sort of this wave now of clean sours, um, you can turn them out in pretty much the same time as a you know a normal say pale ale. Um, the costs are really low. It's a really clean sort of profile, just that you know lactic acid. Um, mm. And I think yeah, now that's a lot more people are jumping on board and sort of you know even cider drinkers and stuff are starting to switch over. And absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, the, the next question I've got, I like this question because we get to well, when we did it, we got to reminisce for a really long time. <laughs> is your favourite uh, pub in Melbourne? And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that's open right now. It can be. You can do yep. both mm. if you want. One that's open now, one that was open back in the day. Yeah, cool. Um, I guess for me, a pub is is. Or a bar, about yeah, anywhere that's or a park. Alcohol. If that's really, <laughs> if we, if I'm picking the theme correctly. <laughs> well, Flagstaff got yeah. um, ah classic. I think now as current one, um, you know, a, a pub is kind of to me. It's you where you know obviously the lighting, the music, the food, the booze, everything's great. Um, but also the the staff that really uh, on the front of the house. Uh, the you know you see is, is what really makes it, uh, and living uh, north side now in Fitzroy, uh, Marquis of Lawn would be mm, the most really sort of frequent pub. pub. Of yeah. Lawn, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to be west side here in West Melbourne, and uh, Royal Mail was one of my uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, but, the Royal Mail and Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Get on down. I, I hear they've been doing some great work in the women's toilets today. <laughs> no, that's not a euphemism. It's like I've been here since <laughs> seven o'clock this morning replastering the joint. That's actually <laughs> where that. that's actually where we're recording from right <laughs> now. The female bathrooms. <laughs> <It's, yeah>. Royal <laughs> Mail. And if I place. if I sound a bit nasal, it's because I've entirely accidentally sort of induced about three kilos of white powder being plastered. Uh, well, well, we should, uh, we should uh, cut it at that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we'll leave it in. It's, it's <laughs> that's I feel, I feel like I'm doing like this a little bit tonight. <laughs> that's not coming across. But now that's all I'll hear. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and is there anywhere that's closed that you, you're like, oh, man, I wish that place was still open? Yeah. Well, before West Melbourne, I was in North Melbourne, and the Courthouse Hotel, which actually still, I'm pretty sure it's still actually open as a venue. Yeah. Um. It's a different beast it's now, though, to what it was. It's a different beast, right. Mm. That was, um, I don't know, what was eight years ago or something when I lived there. Um, that was sort of my, my local and had a great, you know, beer list. Yeah. Uh, had 10 taps or something off memory, which, you know, back then was, you know, pretty awesome and a good bottle list. Um, food was great. They had a, even had a hat. Um, and then it changed owners and it just <laughs> went to basically a... Uh, I think for, I walked past there once and they had a set, uh, A-frame sign at the front that said like $5 carrot cake and tea or something. And oh, I was going to say $5 whoa. carrot, which is a steal <laughs> for a carrot compared to what we used to sell them that for. That is but true. We got up to forty. Uh, $38, $38 per carrot. That's <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, I, and I think I went inside anyway and they ripped out all their taps. I think they only had two taps left. That was one of the stranger bits of it, that you're absolutely right, that yeah. they'd somehow – Chosen yeah. to remove taps right. when they used to have more. So you're absolutely right in that memory. Yeah. The um, tea yeah. and carrot cake, that's that's bizarre. Why would you that, think that, that, that anyone that, would get... Like it's not a cafe-looking venue, but they were... That's what they were know, going they, for. It's definitely, yeah. you know, it looks like a pub exterior, interior. But yeah, yeah. For yeah. some reason they were just pushing this, 
that was kind of I gotta look at anti alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> I always sort of forget that. See, one of my close friends literally lives like a block away from there, but we always just end up at the town hall. Or I was gonna say, I divide myself between the yeah. town hall and the limerick, but oh, the limerick's yeah, more right. of an acquired oh, taste. Oh, I'll yeah. freely admit it's a. But I've spent a lot of quality time at Limerick. Over if we're years. watching football, we may appear at the Three Crowns, but that will be from siren to siren, and then yep. we will uh, go. Somewhere. Yeah. So I used to live <laughs> equidistant between the Albion on Curzon Street and the Limerick. So they were like, ah. like literally both within sort of 60 metres of the front door. And depending <laughs> on whether I was capable of walking uphill or just downhill, we'd <laughs> go uphill to the Limerick or just downhill to the Albion. Uh, all right, Adam, the next, next thing we want to know, uh, same question but overseas. Uh, same question. Uh, as in favourite pub? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. or park. Or park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, can't recall any names of the parks uh, yeah. overseas. Um, it's not an outright denial of park drinking, though. <laughs> yeah, park yeah. drinking's great, though. In Japan, park drinking's a wonderful thing. Hmm. Spring, you know, hanami, you know, the cherry blossoms and sake. I'm I told. I will, <laughs> I will have to do that at some point. <laughs> um, probably. I was in Albania, of all places. Uh, it was a little locally owned kind of pub um, right on the crystal clear water over the rocks um they had pretty average beer some some good wine but they did have one beer i think it was from off memory it was from i can't remember the name i'm pretty sure it was from greece um you know the bordering country because there's only sort of one or two albanian beers which are mm. which are pretty pretty average mm. um and it was just a really nice clean sort of spicy pilsner uh <laughs> it may have helped you know looking out into this amazing ocean and Having buckets of uh, scampi for ten Australian dollars or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, that's not that's not sort of a term of phrase, is it? It's actually yeah. there were buckets of scampi, like literal <laughs> buckets. Exactly, um, and that was a super fresh fruit, and the beer was actually that particular beer was actually just matched perfectly. Yeah, fantastic. Um, you've uh, installed the beer lines at the Flemkem Bowls Club yep. here. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. At our, at our questions here, <laughs> and I was yeah, thinking, right. yeah, that's um, <laughs> one of three jobs I have. I, you know, brewing beer was uh, <laughs> not crazy enough, so I have an import distribution company as well, and I also install uh, beer systems um, at uh, various venues around, mainly just Melbourne, but a few interstate as well. Um, right. Yeah. What was the question? So, so you have a knowledge oh, yeah. of cool rooms. Yeah, that's where we that's where uh, we're yes, angling towards. Oh, right, right. Yes, I'm, I'm familiar with this is, cool rooms. This, this is not the first cool room you've been in. <laughs> that's very true. Do you have any uh, – this is a difficult question, Yeah, I think, but are there any, <laughs> any stories or any weird things that you've ever happened in the cool room – Tell us about the Flemkin Bowls Club core rooms because I can remember. I've got some good Flemkin Bowls Club core room stories. I wasn't going to, you know, name any venues. But oh, no, we can, we no, can no. name that one. There's, there's no secret about our associations and <laughs> pasts. Yeah, name yeah. Yeah, no, well, I guess most, you know, when I do a venue, it's either we're installing the core room from scratch as in a new venue. Um, that sounds pleasant compared to uh, that, that, retrofitting a core room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, the other one is yeah, obviously retrofitting older older venues. Um, Flynn Kansas, yeah, definitely been been one of them. Um, it was pretty pretty crazy hectic in there, but I think the strangest well, 
to me it's strange it's not it's just it's just bottled beer in a quorum it's not that strange at all um but there was one venue which had been collecting samples uh of everyone for 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 years and you know you presume when sales reps when they ask for samples and sales reps drop them in and mm. you presume they would you know drink it um hopefully it's you know for commercial purposes but even if they're just <laughs> hoarding it for a staff party or something coming up then well you know that's, at, at least that, someone's that may or may not happen at times yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> there was uh certain beers in there it was this just this huge array of beers that weren't on their list and um it from the labels you know i could tell some of them were limited releases that were only released once and sort of two three years ago and they had oh, God, they must have copious amounts of just one-off beers just all these samples and i thought that was really strange because i'm you know through the, the sales and importing distribution side um i was familiar with this bar you know they're regularly asking for for samples because they're changing their beer list they want to try yeah um and yeah, I thought that was a bit strange. Why would you at least drink them? I was going to say that so yeah. they were yeah. they were hoarding them. They were sort of prepping for you know doomsday. There was like a you know pallet load of <laughs> pineapple in the corner and enough craft beer to survive the first week of the nuclear holocaust. And that was you know. <laughs> but that's one of the bit like when a sales rep would come in, like for mm. when we've worked together, it's like well we've got we've got six beers that we can knock over when we finish tonight. Yeah, yeah. Went, you know what I mean. Like yeah, it yeah. was always kind of exciting because you of know. Course. Yeah. There'd be a couple that weren't so good, and then a couple that'd be really good, and you know. <laughs> then I really, I always really enjoyed that. It wouldn't just sit. No, in you, the wouldn't, you wouldn't. You wouldn't sort of. You wouldn't. Yeah, hoard maybe them for a for, couple of days, but not forever. But yeah, we, you might come to a Friday night or something like that. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so you've just you've been over in Japan recently, Adam, for the international. What is it called? International International Beer Cup. Beer Cup. Yep. And you won gold. Is that right? And silver. Yep. And bronze? Yes. And bronze again? Yes, correct. correct. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a nice little haul to, to bring back. Um, I actually went over there as well because uh, beer judging. So I guess technically there's maybe four jobs I have. But yeah, right. <laughs> I have three, four, uh, four five <laughs> jobs, yeah. six if you count painting the lines on streets, which I do for three hours every night. Oh, no, no, they're all alcohol related. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's all, I'm an alcoholic. It's just, it's just different I ways of covering I didn't say you for the last one. Yeah. Okay, it was more of a hobby than a job. But um, you got, you got, Yeah, and obviously I don't judge any there's multiple judges so i'm not judging the beers that i enter um it's all blind tasting and everything i was um, gonna say that's a fantastic job if you can get that so the gold goes yeah. to me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> again <laughs> and i've won silver yeah. and bronze and i've created another bronze <laughs> just for me yeah um what happened this year yeah so gold was uh cool hops yeah so it's it's a competition that we um uh, i guess take take good pride in because um Unlike most competitions, um, most competitions are awarded on points. So if you get awarded a certain amount of points, you know, after being judged, um, you get a gold. So there might be four beers in that category. They get a gold medal. Right. Um, you know, and, and the same for silver, bronze, etc. Um, this competition is kind of like the Olympics, I guess, where there's, well, it's even harsher than the Olympics. So the Olympics, there's only one gold, one silver, one bronze. You're not allowed yeah. to take drugs before you do the competition. <laughs> no, no. This, they often don't even give um, a gold to many um, beer styles or categories. Mm. Um, no one be, wins. They'll earn, some categories, only one bronze is awarded. That's it. No silver, no gold. <laughs> that's bad. It yeah. sounds like the last time I entered a beer competition and finished third last with my chickeny beer. Oh, the chickeny beer. <laughs> yeah, I've chickeny. heard about the chickeny beer. There, there wasn't enough chicken in it for the judges, apparently. Oh, 
We digress. Let's, 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 let's delve more into for real? this chicken story. Um, how did you, at what stage were the chickens added into the beer? Uh, did you cook, so, cook the meat and then? Yes, yeah, so I effectively made a chicken stock and then had to clarify it, which was right, the hardest right. bit of the whole process, was to remove all the fat so it didn't yeah. um, go rancid, which took a long, long time. Right. Um, so it was actually quite a nice beer. But there wasn't much but chickeniness they, about it by the end. I don't think the judges appreciated the amount of work you put into this. I'm sure they didn't appreciate either the <laughs> amount of work or the amount of damage I did to my stove during the cooking <laughs> process. But compared to the gravy, egg and orange beer we made once, but that's another story again. <laughs> Tell us about the, the, the Cool Hop Lager. So that's still on tap out at the uh, Flemken Bowls Club, I know, because I had it out there on Saturday. That could be the next release. Yeah, so let's not give them any more ideas. That, but <laughs> yeah, they, they don't need any more help with twisted ideas. Um, so, yep, heading back. So, Cool Hop is on tap, yeah. still out at the Flimken Bowls Club. I'll give that little plug for them. Yes, um, awesome, it is, yes. Um, and that's the is that the main beer that you make, the Cool Hop Lager? That's the Yeah, so we're beer. a little bit uh, a little bit quirky, I guess. Um, we don't have a core range. Um, we've got maybe two, only two, say, seasonal beers um, right. that, that pop up um, in our portfolio a couple of times a year. Um, cool Hop's. Um, being a hoppy lager um, and staggerly uh, our imperial stout um, but outside of that we sort of do maybe one or two releases uh, every month of just limited releases they kind of hang around for a month or so and then um, and then they're all gone so yeah right. so cool hops was, was the gold medal winner cool so was the gold medal winner yep um, how long have you so how long have you been doing that one and sort of you know, yeah so cool hops was actually the very first beer we released um Actually, even before the word edge, it was, you know, a, a, it's basically a brand as a collaboration originally mm. um, between myself and a, and a Danish brewer, um, Christian Anderson from Beer Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he wrote fairy tales as well, but I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fairy tales about beer. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> then the ugly duckling turned into a beautiful hobby lager. Fuzzy tails. They're fuzzy tails when they're about beer. If you, um, anyone, anyone listening at home, feel free to Google beer here images. He is, um, does, he's not a cartoon by, cartoonist by profession, but he does do his own labels. Um, and they are probably a little bit more, say, perverted and controversial than, than Hans Christian Anderson. Right. Work. Well, that's, wow. that's, yeah, yeah. that's so, quite a statement when you go through Hans Christian Anderson's yeah. full. Um, yeah. So how, so how many sort right. of years so, have you been making that one? What sort of. Right, you know? right. So, yeah, that was our first beer released. Um, so it would have been, say, six years ago now. Um, we actually l- launched that and uh, it became Rate Beer. Hang on, remember Rate Beers before I I remember Rate Beer back right. in the day. Yep. <laughs> um, so it became the number one pale lager in the world on Rate Beer, which was pretty crazy for our first release. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that kind of, yeah, put us on the map, I guess. Um, and twice it's won the... Um, Champion trophy for best lager in the world at the International Beer Challenge, um, which is done out of London. Um, and then, yeah, this year, uh, as mentioned, we entered it into the International Beer Cup, which is held in Japan. Um, I picked up gold there, so yeah. It's a style of beer that I really, really like. I can't believe that more people don't make it. And, yeah, um, so th- I guess the inspiration behind this beer was um, I was on a trip to New Zealand with with Christian, who's you know a good friend and a brewer, and blah blah blah. Mm. Um, 
And we were trying back then all these, you know, really beautiful pilsners which showcased local New Zealand ingredients. Um, it was like Tuatara, Emerson's, Croucher. Um, all these guys made these, you know, really, really good sort of hop forward pilsners. Yeah. Um, and just back home in Australia, no one was sort of doing that. Everyone was you know, doing IPAs, I guess, um, mostly with American hops, etc. Um so the yeah, the idea was to well, all of Edge beers are unfiltered, unpasteurized, all Australian ingredients. Um, but the idea of, particularly for that beer was to really showcase Australian hops. Um, you know, in lagers, um often you'll have quite a really lean, sort of clean malt bill, um, which allows the hops to really sort of shine, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, some of something like a double IPA or anything you think is super hoppy. Of course it is. It's really hoppy, but mm. it's also often um, got a really huge malt bill, um, and you need that huge hopping to kind of you know balance it. Um, but for me, I really like to showcase hops off with quite a clean sort of lean malt body. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was the idea of, of doing that rather than a you know a big double IPA or something. So it's Galaxy and Ala hops. Um, and has that been the case all the way along, or have you had to sort yep. of change things along the way? There's been very, very minor tweaks. Um, it's always been pretty much the exact same recipe. I, I changed from, I think it was 5.5% crystal malt down to 5%. Um, that's pretty much been the only change, yeah, hmm. more or less, yeah. I was drinking beautifully on the weekend <clears throat> despite my terrible bowling. So, you know, it, did, <laughs> it took some of the pain away from my bowling experience uh, yes, on Saturday. The, the bowling. Let's move on. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Because <laughs> I saw you on Saturday. And you weren't happy, so we're no. going to talk about that on no. the podcast. Um, and you've got a red lager, yeah, coming out soon. That yep. So that will let's let's do the plug. That will be uh, on the day that you're able to download this podcast. That'll be coming on tap at the Royal Mail Hotel on Spencer Street. So uh, we're very excited about learning about that beer and tasting yep. it. Hopefully, about a week away from where we're recording this. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we've, um, as you can probably tell so far, we've sort of focused a lot on lagers, um, which is, I think is changing now, but, you know, initially going back a few years ago, it was kind of strange for other people. Hmm. The fact that we were sort of a craft brewery really sort of pushing lagers. Yeah. Um, we are, you know, everyone's sort of doing ales, of course. Hmm. Um, but now that's changing and the, I wouldn't say there's too many lager focused craft breweries but i would say most craft breweries you know at least dabble or or do a good amount of lagers Mm. uh, in the mix um so red lager is another another sort of style that i I really love um you get that you know sort of toffee caramel kind of malt profile yeah um but you know with cold conditioning and the lager yeast and everything get a really sort of uh crisp sort of finish to it um so we tend to, you know, dry ours right out and have a really dry finish. Um, some red ales to me are just a little bit, um, they sort of produced to be a little bit too sweet for my, my palate. Right. Um, anyhow, um, so the origins of this beer, uh, this is kind of the third in the series. Uh, so the original was called Serial Killer. Right. Um, <laughs> cleverly named, of course. <laughs> and how did you spell cereal? Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, with a C. Um, mm. So the uh, yeah. So the name comes from uh, uses um, obviously you know d- different barley malts, um, mm. but it uses six different cereal grains. That beer, um, if I can remember correctly, it would have obviously barley, wheat. Um, I think it was oats, rye. 
corn and maybe rice might have been the might have been the it's six pretty one. much named every single malt i'm aware <laughs> every single grain <laughs> yeah, i'm aware a, of mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, no yeah. spelt but other than that <laughs> yeah no a, no spelt or sorghum or anything <laughs> too too out there but um um yeah just to give the beer obviously a bit a bit of complexity and um also you know the the rice and corn help that dry finish as well um and that beer won gold at the international beer challenge um, so we, and that also sort of got a bit of a following. So we decided, um, to re- sort of remake that beer, but, you know, uh, rather than do the exact same thing, sort of tweak it slightly, yeah. um, as we like to do at Edge with the exception of, you know, the two beers I mentioned, every batch is just a one-off. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having said that, we sort of have bases that we sort of go back to and do yeah. variations on. Um, so the second sort of incarnation, um, was called Psycho Killer. <laughs> um, that was start of this year or maybe end of last year. Right. Um, that was released. Um, similar beer, just sort of with a different hot profile, slightly stronger in alcohol too. Um, nice. And that is the number one red lager in the world on Untapped. Um, mm. And picked That's, up a uh, silver as well in the international. So yeah, we've been having a bit of success with our with our lagers. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Just man. just a yeah. bit. Yep. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, but we do, you know. You like, think Ian Thorpe of Brooklyn? <laughs> so many gold medals around your neck. Uh, and this is the so this is the third part of the series. Um, called Hannibal. For you know, obviously, <laughs> nice. playing the playing the first two names. Um, and this is the, I don't know if we're going to sort of cap it at this because, um, <laughs> we've gone sort of, you know, bigger, bolder, boozier, hoppier, maltier, yeah. um, still a red lager, of course. Um, similar malt profile, just sort of boosted up. Um, and this is actually, I did say before, we always only use Australian ingredients. I slightly lied when I said that because, um, this beer does use a combination of Australian and New Zealand hops. Okay, well, uh, we won't hold it against this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's still local. It's Southern Hemisphere, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that will be, um, well, I was going to say available, but it will be available today if you're listening to this. Exactly uh, right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Come down to the <laughs> to the Royal Mail and Spencer and get yourself some. So, so we've spoken about a whole lot of sort of technical things, but if for new folks who are listening... Mm-hmm. What makes a red a red as opposed to brown stouts or anything along the way there? You know, so if you yeah. thirty seconds or less, yeah. you know, what are you? How are you treating things differently to end up with a red? Yeah, cool. Um, it's actually mostly all done um, before before the brewery, so um, we don't grow our own grain. Uh, I don't. Very very few breweries in the world do that these days. Um, so we we buy in our grain, specialty mm-hmm. grain. Um, from uh, someone who's called a maltster. Um, basically, they take raw barley. Maltster. We'd like the maltster, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the maltster. <laughs> this is good. We, Sorry, we have a running so feud on our wrestling podcast with someone called you know, the, the sportster. And okay, so right, right. The maltster, we're going to blue with the maltster. <laughs> um, it just sounds like a cool dude to me. It's, is the maltster coming? <laughs> nah, nah, he's nah, not being nah. hard. Yeah. Like a party without the maltster. That's the, and, you, and you want a party with the maltster, <laughs> not the yeaster. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Easter, yeah. And we buy our hops from the Hop Star. And, uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, the malt is all kilned, uh, which is, you know, say, similar in the equivalent of, say, roasting. Um, and the temperature and the length of time um, you kiln that malt basically determines 
Um, yeah, think of it like a, a piece of bread. Mm-hmm. So you put that in a toaster. You can have it, you know, just pretty much really lightly toasted. It's going to be, say, the color of bread and, um, you know, like a, a pilsner kind of color. That's, yeah. um, you know, the other extreme, if you leave the toast in for half an hour, it's going to be completely black, charred. Um, uh, say that's, you know, the color, say a stout or right. something, or porter or something on those lines. Um, and then in between, you've got um, something that's uh, lightly, uh, well, say medium roasted um, or toasted or kilned. Yeah. Um, and that's where you get this sort of red um, sort of hues coming through the beer. Right. Um, we use a fair bit of um, caramel malt, which they actually um, hydrate during the process, um, opposed to sort of um, uh, the other malts where... It's sort of dry roasted, mm. um, but basically, yeah, you, and you get this 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 browny red sort of character. Um, all beers basically have pilsner or, or pale ale malt um, as, as the base. Um, you don't need, you know, something like a stout or a red is not made from hundred uh, percent red malt usually, or and certainly not hundred um, percent dark malt. Um, but you know, you, you vary the proportions, of course, uh, yeah. to sort of get the, the flavors and the colors and everything you need um, without, yeah, I'll leave it at that without getting too technical. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That was a perfect explanation for me because I'm very much the newbie at this table when it comes to yeah, this, yeah. this sort I, of discussion. I, always, so I, like, yeah, I like the toast analogy. Sense. I always thought of that when I was sort of, um, you know, first started homebrewing and everything. So I kind of I use that analogy a lot and mm. hopefully it takes off and other people are, works for them too. Yeah, mm. no, well, it does for me because yeah. I've only been drinking craft beer for about three years, so I'm a long way behind the two of you too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I reckon we can pretty much wrap that up unless you've got anything else you want to speak to Adam about. No, I reckon that covers off a whole lot of interesting things. I suspect yeah. that Adam will come back and visit us on future occasions when there are other fun things to launch and talk yeah, about. Yeah, I hope mm. so. Well, you're welcome anytime, Adam. Certainly will. I'll, uh, I'll probably be at the pub, dare I say, as well, when the red lager's <laughs> tapped and launched. So Yeah, so you can have a yeah. chat to Adam about the the brewing process, the toasting process, and more toast Just analogies. for the and... uh, tall, handsome guy at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't too chilly for you in the cool in room. The cool room. <laughs> <laughs> we really should have thought of another name, shouldn't we? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up there. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Cool Room. <laughs>